Well, um, why don't you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3. You know, I, I believe our square brochure, I don't know, so most of you probably got one, but do we have a square brochure? It's like a twofold brochure, is it square? It says in there that the first Friday of every month is Healing and Miracle Night. All right, and we've, we've adapted that to even more than one Friday a month. But um, we're, we're not going to, per se, have a total Healing and Miracle Night tonight, although we're willing to pray for the sick and we're willing to minister. If you really want something and you've got faith, come forward. We believe you'll get healed. And, but anything we share on, out of the Word can get you healed. I, I, I even think... I even think you could probably just look at the maps in a Bible and get healed. You know, the maps in the back. <laughs> it's so anointed. That was a little bit of a joke, but seriously, this is an anointed book. I mean, this, this is God's Word. But turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and don't think you can't get healed or get a miracle tonight, because you can. I mean, you can get healed off of any verse in the Bible. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 1. This know also, Paul said by the Holy Ghost, that in the last days perilous times shall come. That word perilous means dangerous or difficult. Dangerous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. They'll be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, Remember, in the last days, there'll be people that are disobedient to parents. In other words, obeying parents won't be cool in the last days. It'll be cool to rebel. It'll be cool to not do what mom and dad's. It'll be cool to go the opposite direction they want you to go. It says in the last days, people would be unthankful, unholy, In the last days, that men would be without natural affection. Now, we see homosexuality there. We see, you know, what they call alternate lifestyles there. This is a sign of the last days. And here's the thing, you know, I want to make this clear too. We and Jesus and God love people, no matter what flaky lifestyle they're in, in bondage to. We love people. No matter what they're struggling with, no matter what kind of sin they've accepted, we love people. But loving people does not mean we have to love all their flaky ways. God loves everybody on this planet, but He does not love what everybody is involved with. We should love what He loves and despise what He despises. Never despise people. Never, you know, hate a person. No. But we don't, we don't have to accept everybody's ways to feel like we love them. No, we don't. Are you listening? We, we, we don't have to accept everybody's beliefs and everybody's ways just so we can feel sad. Oh, we love them more than you because we accept them and everything. They No, that doesn't mean you love them. That means you're not loving them. Do you realize that if we accept something we know is destroying them, we do not love them. 
And I wish the people that are involved in some of these lifestyles would realize that we really do love you. And the reason we're against your lifestyle is because we do love you. I think one of the reasons people have accepted certain lifestyles as who they are and it's really not bad because it's what I am and what I want. I think one of the reasons people have accepted certain lifestyles is because the church has not taught you can repent and get free. I mean, if we can't get them free, no wonder they're saying this is who I am. You know, this is the way I'm going to go. If we're not getting them delivered, what are they going to do? Well, they can't keep going through condemnation all their life, so they're going to say, you know what? I'm this way because I was born this way. And the only reason people would do that is because the church hasn't yet got them free through bold preaching on faith, preaching on repentance, preaching on grace, preaching on victory. The only reason people have turned and started to accept sin is because the church has not had the power to get them free from it. Well, they have it, but they haven't preached it. They haven't... I personally believe that people that are bound in certain what they call alternative lifestyles... I believe with all my heart there's deliverance for every one of them. But if they can't get free themselves and the church isn't getting them free, what are they going to do? Probably going to stay and remain right where they're at saying this is who I am and you might just need to accept me. But this scripture here says that a rise of homosexuality in the last days. Jesus also said in the last days it's going to be like the days of Noah where there was great perversion on the earth and the flood came and wiped everybody out except Noah and his family, those who were on the ark. And he also said in the last days it's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, one of the most vivid traits of Sodom and Gomorrah is immorality. Especially in this area of going after strange flesh, Jude talks about. Paul talks about effeminate, men being effeminate, acting like women. And he said, you were that way, but you ain't that way no more, so don't have any thoughts about going back to it. The Bible talks about these things. And I know there's, we, Vicki Sharon, a friend of ours who pastors in Las Vegas, Vicki Sharon said that there's a guy that was arrested for preaching out of Romans chapter 2. Where God gave, where, where it, talks about men going after men and women going after women, homosexuality, lesbianism, and got talking about God gave them up to a reprobate mind. He was preaching on Romans chapter 2 and he got put in jail for it. Was this in Canada? They considered it a hate crime to preach out of Romans chapter 2. Well, you know, I don't think we should just preach these scriptures anytime we feel like it. I think we need to be led. But when it comes right down to it, you just have to believe that if God says something is wrong, He's been around longer than us. How many think He's been around a few hours longer than us? A few millennia times zillion longer than us. I mean, He knows what's good for us and He knows what's bad for us. And it's so interesting to me for people, people that say, well, I'm just going to be free and do what I want to do. I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. I'm just going to, if I have a passion for it, I'm going to do it. If my emotions want it, I'm going to go that direction. I'm just, 
And they think they're free, but not realizing you are in bondage to your passions. You're in bondage to your feelings. You can't get free. They think it's freedom to do whatever they feel like, not realizing they are serving a very low level part of them called their feelings. And their feelings are their God. And your feelings are a terrible God. Amen. Terrible God. I just, you know how we say in this church now, we, we say, at least I do, I don't love anything anymore. Right. I love God and I love people. I'm not going to say I love cake or I love chocolate or I love that movie or I love my car. I'm done saying that because the Bible says love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. And the, If the people love this world, the love of the Father is not in them. Well, there's something else I'm, I'm quitting saying. This one might be a little more difficult because we're so used to it. I'm going to quit saying I feel so much. I feel this, and I feel that, and I feel this, and I feel that. Well, I'm going to start sounding like an unsaved teenager. <laughs> I feel that, I feel this, and I feel this. We've got to watch. We need to be saying, I believe and I know. Right. What you know is way more important than what you feel. Yeah. Feelings are up and feeling. I know you think feelings are you because they, they're at the inside, but they're not in your spirit. They're your emotions, which are also inside of you. But a lot of people think, well, I feel, I feel this and I feel that and I feel this. And they get in so much trouble because one day their feelings are right. Another day their feelings are wrong and they're all messed up. Right. Just because your feelings were right one day does not mean they're going to be right, right, be right tomorrow. I think we need to stop saying I feel so much because I feel can get you in big trouble. We walk by faith, not by sight. So, aren't you glad for that word? All right, let's keep reading here. Without natural affection, that's a sign of the last days. Truce breakers, men will be false accusers. Man, that's happening all over the place. They would be incontinent. Anybody have another translation for that word incontinent? Without self Without self-control. It said in the last days, men would be fierce, despisers of those that are good. In the last days, men would be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Men in the last days would have a form of godliness but they would be denying the power thereof. From these men, turn away. Interesting. Um, the phrase that I wanted to look at here just for a few moments is the phrase, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I think we did hit on this on Sunday, didn't we? I mentioned this scripture on Sunday. That in the last days, men would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So this is very interesting because he did say that they loved God. But they loved pleasure more than God. See, this is one of the reasons the Lord gave us that revelation. I love God more. See, well, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. But do you love other people or other things more than Him is the big question. Jesus said to Peter, do you love me more than these? And he asked him three times. Peter, do you love me more 
than these? See, I believe that's a question the Lord's asking every believer's heart in these last days. He said, I know you love me, but do you love me more than yourself? I know you love me, son. I know you love me, daughter. But do you love me more than your children? How many know it's dangerous to love your children more than Jesus? Right. Jesus, is, I believe he's asking this question. I know you love me, child. But do you love me more than anyone and anything? They cut your shirts on. You were led tonight. You were led by the Spirit tonight. And so the big, the big issue is do we love the Lord more than anyone and anything? Because just loving Him, isn't this interesting? It said that they loved the Lord. But they love pleasure more than the Lord. We were talking in the green room last night just before the service started. And I was talking with the pastor there, Pastor Mark Bohr. And um, we were talking about how the very first, um, I guess you would call it, definition of the love of God is love suffers long. Love suffers long. You would think, you know, in today's understanding of love, which is messed up, you would think it would be love, love feels Mm -hmm. this, or love Feels that our love is ah, oh, love. The love of God. The very first characteristic of the love of God is love suffers long. And so I was talking to the pastor. I said, "You know, we need to have a suffering seminar. Let, let's let's talk about suffering because suffering is a big word in the New Testament. A lot of people have suffering mixed up, like they have prayer mixed up. They." They don't understand the suffering they're supposed to resist, and they don't understand the suffering they're supposed to hit head on. And we've got a lot of people receiving the suffering they're supposed to be resisting, and running away from the suffering they're supposed to be enduring. Suffering's a, a big subject in the New Testament. There's three primary areas that we need to suffer in as believers. And it's not sickness, and it's not disease. Jesus suffered those things for us as our substitute. And we do not have to put up with sickness, disease, fear, poverty, lack, right? We can resist that suffering because Christ suffered that for us. But there's another kind of suffering that Jesus went through as our example that we need to be interested in and not run away from. We resist the sickness and disease and the curse of the law suffering because he suffered that for us so we could be free. But there's some other suffering we are not supposed to run away from. Are you listening to me? So there's three main areas. This is what I want to share with you. Three main areas. Now we already just mentioned one. If you're going to walk in love, you're going to be hurting in the flesh mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. We'll go ahead and see the scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Actually, we better read from verse 1. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, and we'll get to verse 4. The Bible says, If I speak in the tongues, though I speak in tongues of men and of angels, and don't have charity, which is the word love, agape love, I am become as a noisy gong, or a sounding brass, or a tinkling cymbal. 
And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I don't have love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now that's pretty heavy. Those three verses are pretty heavy. Next verse. Love suffers long. Now the next word is a conjunction, which means it's tying together what he just said with what he's about to say. So it's not just suffering long, and everybody knows you're suffering. Right. Right? Right. It's about suffering long, and nobody knows you're suffering. Amen. We're not just talking about enduring with sweat rolling down your face and your fists clenched. He's talking about suffering long, and at the same time, you're kind. Now, here's the revelation. You can't do that in and of yourself. But the love of God in you, yielded to, can do it. See, here's here's a problem. A lot of people are trying to walk in love without yielding to the love of God in them. They're trying to walk in love with mental capabilities only, with feelings only, with emotions only. The love of God was not shed abroad in your brain. It was not shed abroad in your body. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5 that the love of God was shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which has been given to us. So you have to, first of all, locate where that love is and then let it dominate. There's a love deep on the inside of you that wants out. And you know, the more you're aware of the love of God in you, the more it's going to come up and come out in situations, circumstances, where people rub you the wrong way, where people lie about you, where people do things to you that are not right and unjust. And I would think that, you know, this, this is probably... Well, let me put it this way. Love is the greatest thing in the world when it comes to our relationship with God and other people. It's greater than faith. It's greater than hope. It's greater than... When it comes to our relationship with God and our relationship with other people, there is nothing greater than love. Peter said, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Now, when it comes to resisting the devil and spiritual warfare, above all, take up the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. But when it comes to God and other people, there's nothing greater than love. Nothing greater. And I I say it this way. If you want to live in the best, then you need to love people. You need to find out what it is. You need to make sure you walk in it. If you trip, trip and stumble, make sure you repent and get right back up and get back in the love walk because love is the way to victory. Faith doesn't even work without love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says faith works by letting faith is how you get healed. Faith in the scriptures on healing gets you healed. Faith in the scriptures on prosperity helps you prosper. But your faith won't even work if you're not walking in love. And one of the very first characteristics of love is this. Love suffers long and at the same time is kind while it's enduring. One translation says love bears affliction with calmness. 
<laughs> you know, you're going to find out how much you're yielding to the love of God and how much you've developed in the love of God when people do you wrong. Because the natural tendency is to say, Hey, you did me wrong. You're going to pay for that. That's the natural tendency. But the love of God tendency is, Hey, don't worry about it. One thing I think we need to watch out about is when I'm teaching on love, when you hear a message on love, it's probably because something's right around the corner that's going to test your love walk. So, so receive your equipping tonight and pass the test. Right? Pass the test, church. Pass the test. Because if you pass the test, you get to go to the next grade. Greater responsibility, greater privileges, greater access. All right, so let me make this clear. A number one area that we're called to suffer in is when, we, when we're called to walk in love. It's not always going to be easy to walk in love. It's going to hurt. And oh, don't we like this teaching tonight. <laughs> love suffers long. Let's go ahead and read the rest of this and then we'll get into those two other areas of suffering and we'll, we'll close. So love suffers long and is kind. Love Envies not. Love vaunteth not itself. Can you put this in the Amplified translation? Let's look at these four verses, four through eight, out of the Amplified Bible. We'll give them just a second to find that. All right, look here at the Amplified. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Can we just say that? Say this. I. I. Endure long, and I am patient and kind. Now, the reason you can and should say that is because you're born of God. And God is love. His nature is your nature. God is love. We must be love too. Right? So say it again. I endure long, and I am patient, and I am kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. And it doesn't have to be. No. Right? Because if you're walking in love, anything anybody else has, you know, that's right and good and godly, you can have it too. And when you walk in love, you'll have access to it way better. So love is not envious. Love, love never boils over with jealousy. Let me, let me just say one thing. About, I want to... I'm, I'm going to... Okay, so let me just share this thing about jealousy. I heard this a long time ago. Norville Hayes gave this story. And I don't know if you 100% like this story. I don't know about the... Well, anyway, um, I actually, you know, I won't even share it right now. I'll, I'll get to that later. <laughs> Out of respect to my wife. Um, love does not boil over with jealousy. Love is not boastful. Doesn't have to be, because love is satisfied, right? Love is not vainglorious, nor does it display itself haughtily. Doesn't have to, right? It's got no insecurity problems. Love is not conceited. Love is not arrogant or inflated with pride. Love is not rude or unmannerly. Now, 
This is something married people need to take heed to. Amen. You know how when you were dating your spouse, you were just all so proper and so, you know, that should stay with us after we're married. We shouldn't just say anything goes after we're married, you know, and just belch on the couch or whatever. And we need to, we need to watch out about being rude once you're married. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Love is not touchy. Love is not fretful. Love is not resentful. Love takes no account of the evil done to it and pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Hmm. Anybody want to say ouch besides me? <laughs> what does that mean? Love takes no account of the evil done to it. What does that mean? That means you choose right. to forget some things right. that you don't want to forget. That you do not feel like forgetting. Can you see how this would solve all marriage problems? This would solve all relationship problems? If the people in relationship with each other would do these four verses, it would be heaven on earth. I mean, let's face it. What if you're married and you just determine, I'm never going to insist on my own rights or my own ways ever again. It's always about them first. Wow, that would solve so many problems. And the anointing of God would be in our homes. And the power of God would be in our homes. And the prosperity of God would be in our homes. And the health of God would be in our homes if this was in our homes. Do you realize that? So just think about a husband and a wife. Both of them not insisting on their own rights or their own ways and never again being self-seeking. Always thinking about them instead of you. Instead of what can you do for me, it's always about what I can do for you. Isn't that good? What would happen in a marriage? Oh my goodness, the anointing of God would fall. Your kids would turn out amazing. Right? I mean, the, the power of God would be in your home. Your ministries to others, others would be powerful and on a higher level. What if, what if every marriage was, was, they never took account of the evil done to them and never paid attention to a suffered wrong in case the other one did slip? Well, we're talking about heaven on earth. We're talking about days of heaven on earth. This is the kind of atmosphere where it's very easy to be healed, where it's very easy to walk in health, it's very easy to prosper. This is the atmosphere right here. This is the atmosphere of heaven. <laughs> it's like a visible force field. So love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Next verse. Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but love rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love hates dishonesty. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. So what he's saying here is, you're, you're not going to break under anything if you're doing these verses. Right. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. <laughs> Amen? Brother Hagin tells of a story of a guy who was the worst sinner in town. Everybody hated him and they were glad when he died. And at the funeral, this one guy who had lived to be a very old man, just 
perfect health, full set of teeth in his 90s. I mean, just in perfect health. And, and he's at the funeral. And uh, he was actually telling Brother Hagin, he said, he said, the reason I'm in such health and the reason I don't get sick and the reason I'm almost 100 years old and I can just, is because I kept this thing right here under control. My words, my tongue. He would not say anything bad about anybody, even if it was true. He said, at the, he, this old man was at the funeral one day and the worst sinner in town died and everybody was glad he died. And so they asked this man, because they thought he was spiritual, to say something about this man. And they're all wondering, what's he going to say? There's not one good thing to say about this man who just passed away. Worst sinner in town. Troublemaker. And he stood over and he said, well, you know, I just remember this man had very beautiful teeth. He refused to say anything negative. And that's what he gave the credit to is why he lived so long and in such perfect health is because he would never say anything bad about anybody. Always ready to believe the best of every person. That's love. See, now you're, you're all probably there like me like going, man, we got a lot of growth to do. Is this even real or is this a fantasy? This is real. We can attain to this. We can grow in this. We can develop in this. And if you do, you'll be so thankful you did. So, love believes, say this, I believe the best. Of every person. Say this. I do not keep record of wrongs that other people have done to me. Say this. I'm never happy when others go wrong. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. All right. So, love... Hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and love endures everything without weakening. So I, I know this from personal experience, but also from teaching these things for 30 years. I know this, that if I'm going to live in health, I've got to walk in love. When you, when you don't walk in love, you take yourself out from under the full protection of the Lord until you repent and get back under the love walk. I was thinking about this, you know, one, one day I was driving to church on a Wednesday night. I think we barely just got in this building. This was probably like 12 years ago. And I was driving down the road on a Wednesday night, coming to our Wednesday night service. And I asked the Lord this question. I said, Lord, I said, how come so many believers, Christians, are sick, physically sick in the body of Christ? I said, why, why are so many believers sick when your word says, by Jesus stripes we were healed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of sickness and disease. We have power over all the power of the devil. Nothing shall by any means hurt us. Why are so many believers physically sick when your word says we're more than conquerors? When your word says by Jesus' stripes we were healed? When your word says himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses and carried our pains? Why? And the Lord spoke to me. Not audibly, but man, did he give me a scripture. He says, son, I'll tell you why so many of my people are sick when it's totally not my will that any of them are sick. I'll tell you why. He said, the reason many of my people are sick is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The exact phrase, quote, for this cause, many are sick and many of my people die prematurely. And it was because of what we're talking about right here. They were not taking walking in love seriously. Would you like to see that scripture real quick? Can you handle it? 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to see this. Because you know, you find the cause, you can fix the problem. 
I don't like just dealing with symptoms. You cut off a symptom, that whole problem can grow back seven times worse. I like getting things at the root. I like finding out the cause of problems, not just the problem, you know, the, the fruit of it. I like to find the root of it. And this is huge, guys. Kenneth Hagin wrote a book. It's about this thick. It's one of the best books he's ever written, I think, called Love, the Way to Victory. You know, I think from what I've heard, a lot of people, they've said, when you hear Brother Hagin's teachings, you're going to say, oh my goodness, what a man of faith. But people that actually knew him, they say, oh, what a man of love. So we see love and faith in his ministry as one of the reasons he was such a powerful, successful man of God. He didn't just teach faith. He lived in love. He walked in love. Well, he wrote a book called Love, the Way to Victory. And in that book, he talks a lot about why a lot of Christians are sick because they, they're not taking walking in love seriously. Their faith's not working. If you're not walking in love and you, you know you're not walking in love and faith works by love and your faith's not working, well, you're just, you, what are you going to do if something comes against you and your faith's not working? You don't ever want to be caught with your faith not working. I think, I think we need to be most aware of violations of love so we can immediately get it right if we mess up. I'll get it under the blood. Get it under the blood. Say, Lord, I repent. I, I confess that it's sin. I get it out. And He forgives you immediately. You can get right back into the love of God. When I notice this, how do you know it's Scripture? <laughs> Could you actually back up so we can see what that cause is? Go to 29. Talking about partaking of the Lord's Supper. He that eats and drinks unworthily. That's not talking about being on un feeling unworthy that's talking about doing something disrespectfully he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks condemnation to himself and here's the problem you ready not discerning the lord's body for this cause not discerning the lord's body Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, or many die young. So that's what I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, why are so many of your people sick in the body of Christ? I don't just want to get them healed. I want to help them not to get sick again. Because right. you get them healed, if the door is still open to sickness, guess what? They're going to get healed, and a little bit down the road, sickness is going to come back in if the cause is not fixed, if the door is not shut. I don't like people just getting healed and then getting sick again. I want people free. Don't you want people free? Amen. Don't you want to be free? Amen. Well, this scripture here says this cause, God said, for this cause, not discerning the Lord's body, many are weak believers. Talking to the church at Corinth. Many are sick and many die prematurely. Look at the next couple of verses. For if we would judge ourselves, okay, stop right there. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. How many glad you can judge yourself? Amen. Whew. That's basically being honest. Admitting, hey, I did you wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Right? We don't want to be a bunch of liars, right? Saying, oh, we never did anything wrong. It's, it's okay. Listen, you got to be honest if you want mercy. I don't know if you realize that. Mercy and truth meet together. Right? No truth, no mercy. Well, but I don't know if I want to be truthful. Well, you sure don't want to live in a lie because that's going to be way worse than mercy will fix it if you're truthful. Right. But if you're not truthful, you have no guarantee of it ever being fixed. So, 
Let me just say this now, and we'll, we'll wrap this up here. But go back to the 29th verse. It says that their problem was is they weren't discerning the Lord's body. What do you mean? That's a twofold application. Number one, they weren't discerning by his stripes we were healed. This is holy communion. We don't just come and drink and get drunk and forget about our other brothers and, and eat and and party and this is the Lord's Supper. They were not discerning the Lord's broken body that was broken for their healing. Right. They weren't discerning that. And there's people today that aren't discerning by His stripes we were healed is for physical healing and they stay physically sick because they're not rightly discerning the Lord's body. Right. If you don't believe that by His stripes ye were healed is for everybody, you're not rightly discerning the Lord's body. And that's why a lot of people are sick because healing doesn't come through an angel. It doesn't come through something else. It comes through the broken body of Jesus. And if you don't discern that, that's not the Lord not healing you. That's you pulling away from healing. Because healing doesn't come through some other way. It comes through the broken body of Jesus. And if you don't believe that His body was broken for your sickness, you're not rightly discerning the body of Christ. And that's a problem in the church today. I said, that's a problem in the church. People are not discerning. They don't believe. By His stripes ye were healed means physical healing. And they stay physically sick because they're not discerning the Lord's body properly. And that, that's the reason many are weak and sickly among the church. And many die young because they don't believe that by His stripes ye were healed. If we don't believe 1 Peter 2.24, um, Matthew 8.16 and 17 and all these scriptures that talk about Jesus taking our sicknesses so we could be free from them. If we don't discern that, we don't believe that, that's the reason many are sick. Well, I just believe if, if the Lord wants me healed, He'll heal me. That's opening the door to the devil. It's ignorance. What do you mean? Well, I just believe if the Lord wants me healed, He'll heal me. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Don't just pray a, 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 a dumb prayer like that. Not you, but whoever hear this teaching later. But... The Bible says He already bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases. He already said that. How do you get, He may not want me healed out of that? It's too late. He wants you healed. He wouldn't have bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases if He didn't want you healed already. But let me, let me share this in closing here. Let me just share this. When it says not discerning the Lord's body, I believe that's number one. People were not rightly respecting and discerning that by Jesus' stripes ye were healed. When he was whipped in the court of Pontius Pilate, his body was broken so your body could be free and healed from every sickness and every disease that would ever try to attach itself to your body in this life. You've got to believe that. You've got to discern that. If you don't discern that, I don't know how you're going to get your healing divinely because that's how it comes right there. By his stripes she were healed. It didn't come through an angel doing something or breaking his wing or whatever. It came by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Do you discern that, church? Yes. So, so how many people was Jesus striped for? Everybody. Everybody. So we have to conclude that by his stripes, we all have a right to healing. Right? 
I like to put it this way. Healing is for everybody, but not everybody is for healing, and therefore they do without, even though it was for them. They weren't for it. You got to be for it. You got to discern it, and you got to claim it. You got to say, thank you, Lord, in the midst of it feeling like it's not even working. You got to stand on those scriptures, stay in faith, because that's discerning the Lord's body properly, and that's how you get out of sickness and disease and don't die young. But, when it says the Lord's body, if you'll read, this is really interesting here. He, um, he says in verse 31, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And then in verse 33, he says, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home and come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Now listen to this, church. He's also saying here that they weren't discerning the Lord's body, spiritually speaking. He brings it out in these verses right here. They were not walking in love toward one another. And that was the reason there were, many were sick and many were dying young. If you read the rest of the chapter before that, in, in before these verses, you'll find out that there was strife in Corinth. They, they were not walking in love toward one another. And... Now remember, who's the body of Christ? Spiritually speaking, we are. You and I, we make up the body of Christ. So when he said not discerning the Lord's body, it was twofold. Their violations of love toward one another was opening the door to sickness in their life and they're having a very hard time getting healed and some were dying prematurely because of not discerning the Lord's body. Hey, if you're a part of Jesus, and you are, and you're part of His body, and I'm at strife with you, and I'm mean toward you, I'm mean toward the healer, because you're part of the healer. And if you're mean toward the healer, how are you going to receive healing the same time you're mean toward Him? Did you ever think about that? Say this, I am a part of the body of Christ. So, if I am mad at you, I am mad at the healer that I need. There's not two different bodies of Christ. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you're a part of Jesus. And if I'm pushing you away and wanting healing from the healer at the same time, that's going to be a little difficult to push his body away and at the same time get healing from him. And the devil knows this, guys. The devil knows that if we, if we violate love toward one another, it's going to cause openings in our life for sickness and disease to enter in Here's the good news. You can stop violating love. You can start rightly discerning the Lord's body. Hmm? And kick sickness out. It's hard to kick sickness out when you know you're not walking in love. Your heart condemns you when you know you're not walking in love. And if your heart condemns you, that's why you have a hard time receiving from the Lord. So, okay, let me, let me just sum this up real quick. I told you, I'm just going to do this for, we got off on a different track, but the three areas you're going to have to suffer in as a Christian is you're going to have to suffer walking in love. You're going to have to suffer temptation, not giving in the temptation. And you're going to have to suffer in doing the will of God when every part of you doesn't want to do it. I just shared that with you because I told you I would. I know that was a little off, but I, I wanted to keep my word. So stand up, please. Let's say this before we go. Let's, let's quote this whole chapter before we go. 1 Corinthians 13 in first person, verses 4 through 8, before we go. Let's say this. God, this will do good for your health, guys, right here. P 
Peter said, if you want to love life and see good days, you know, days in the hospital are not good days. Days in jail are not good days. Peter said, if you want to love life and see good days, refrain your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile, and you'll love life and you'll see good days. Keep you out of the hospital, keep you out of jail. Right? By not talking bad about people. Now let's do it out of the Amplified. I want to quote it out of the Amplified. First person. You guys know how to quote first person, right? Let's say it together. I endure long and I am patient and kind. You might want to just put your hand on your midsection because that's where the love of God is. Say this. I never am envious nor boil over with jealousy. I am not boastful or vainglorious. I do not display myself haughtily. I am not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. I am not rude, unmannerly, and I do not act unbecomingly. God's love in me does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For I am not self-seeking and I am not touchy, fretful, or resentful. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I do not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but I rejoice when right and truth prevail. I bear up under everything and anything that comes, and I am ever ready to believe the best of every person. My hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and I endure everything without weakening. I never fail, never fade out, or become obsolete, or come to an end. Father, we believe that what we just spoke is working on our insides and it's working on our future. Father, we thank you for the victory, the prosperity, the health, the blessings we've been praying for showing up as we grow in love and as we take walking in love even more seriously. Father, we thank you that these things are true whether we think they are or feel they are or not. They're true. We can do this because your love is in us. We will do this. And we thank you for helping us to develop and grow. In Jesus' name. Thank you. I heard the Spirit of God say, Don't feel bad and don't worry about not being perfect overnight. This is a development process. This is something you'll develop in and grow in. Just keep the love of God in your heart and on your mind. Keep it on your mouth and you'll be more aware of how and what to yield to when confrontation comes, when situations come that rub you the wrong way, when people do you wrong. The more you're talking about the love of God, the more it's on your mind, the more you're going to yield to it, and the more you're going to overcome, and the more you're going to develop, and the greater life is going to be. Father, we worship you. Thank you.